Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast from Gaimia Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. This message from our Sunday church service is part of the resources we provide as we seek to see lives changed by Jesus. You could also listen to our Big Three podcast, a conversation that unpacks three big questions raised from sermons like this one. You can find more information about Gaimia Baptist Church as well as discipleship resources and an opportunity to join us in person or online on our website, gaimiabaptist.org.au I'm reading from Luke 19 verses 11 to 27 While they were listening to this he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once He said a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first came and said, Sir, your minna has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your minna has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your minna. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest. Then he said to those standing by, take his minna away from him and give it to the one who has ten minnas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even that, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Thanks, Susan. Thank you. That is a, a big, long passage to read, so well done. And uh, lots of uh, interesting languages, like minors or minors in it. Uh, we're going to get into that in just a little while. But uh, good evening. Well done. I'm glad you've survived the heat. Hopefully the air conditioning is happy and uh, you're just relaxing and chillaxing um, here in church. Great to see you. My name is Roxanne. I'm one of the associate pastors here. I have a question for you, though, to, before we kick off uh, into this passage that was read for us. Um, and the question is, um, can you think of a time when you made a decision that led to a significant change? So um, one of the things that we find in this parable, uh, we find that there's a bunch of people making decisions that lead to significant change, and mostly it's in the servants. And the, the change that they, that they experience is for them, but it's also um, for the world around them. And so 
keep that, keep that change idea, keep that decision idea in your head as we, as we track through the parable. Um, now, just a couple of things about this series. Matt mentioned earlier, this is the prelude to the passion, and we're going to each gospel, and we're having a look at what just happened before the Easter story. So this is Luke's gospel in chapter 19. The very next thing to happen after this parable is the triumphant entry where Jesus gets on the donkey and there's people with the, uh, the, the palm trees and he, goes, um, and he goes in and they all say Hosanna and he comes into Jerusalem. So that's, we're about to start Holy Week um, just after this. So that's um, what is happening. So Luke is placing this story, this parable right here because there's something important for us to know before Easter. There's something really critical about this story which tells us something about what Jesus is going to do and what he achieves. Um, but last week when Matt spoke, it was a story of, um, of a healing, a guy who was blind and then Jesus healed him and he could see and we heard about uh, him asking Jesus for things and Jesus answering. Um, this one is a parable. And so if you, you don't often get to church and the word parable's unfamiliar to you, let me just tell you that a, a parable is kind of like a, an earthly story with a spiritual meaning. Um, it's a story that Jesus tells, which isn't um, about money or miners or minners. Uh, it's actually about heaven stuff. It's about God's stuff. And we're meant to, with a parable, kind of step into it and camp out in there and live in it and try to emphasize and identify ourselves with what's going on in the parable. That's what that's what the parable is. The other thing about parables is they're actually stories that have a twist. There's, in parables, there's always a surprise twist to it, a plot twist in Jesus' parables. And we're going to see what the plot twists are in this parable. And, um, and so just a bit of context about that, a couple of things that the first listeners of this parable would have picked up that, that kind of go over our heads because we weren't living in first century uh, Jerusalem. There's a couple of the bits of language. Now, Jesus tells this story, and um, it starts off saying, while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem. So while they were listening to this, well, what's the this, right? So we need to go back to um, the verse preceding. And Jesus has just uh, had this interaction with Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who was the short guy who climbed a tree and Jesus had lunch with him. And next minute he's giving away uh, like truckloads of money and repaying people four times as much. And Jesus has just said these words. He said, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. And all the ears would have pricked up. All the people following Jesus down the road would have been like, son of man, hang on a minute. He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about the promised one in the Bible. He's saying that he is the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. We know what's going to happen. Oh, we're coming to Jerusalem. The son of man's going to come in. And, 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 um, and we, Luke says that the people thought the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. So they're all like, yeah, here we go. We're back, baby. We're going to kick those Romans out of Jerusalem. The kingdom of God is going to be established. This Jesus guy, look what he does. He can turn tax collectors. He's the son of man, the promised one. Everything's going to be different. We're back on top invaders out God's kingdom established bring it on where's my trumpet where's my sword where's my chariot let's go 
and they had a very, very earthly understanding of what Jesus was going to do. And so they expected that he would come in in this glory and this magnificence and be this ruling, <laughs> invading type leader, restoring the kingdom of God. But as we know, this is the prelude to the passion and he's gonna become king in a very different way. He's coming to Jerusalem to, to go to the cross and the grave and of course the resurrection. So they didn't, uh, they didn't see that coming. So that's a bit of the, the context and the background as he tells this story, the expectation's different. And so he jumps into this story um, because they're expecting the kingdom of God to appear at once. He's about to do this thing and he says no. The man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. And he calls 10 servants and gives them 10 minors. Um, put this money to work, he says, until I come back. Now, there's probably two audiences, probably a few more audiences, but two main audiences that are listening to this parable. There's the people that want to install Jesus as king right then and there. They want to take back um, Jerusalem and Israel with power and force, and, uh, and they're keen for that, and they want to... They want the kingdom to come their way. Uh, there's also the people that, that follow Jesus that are, that are willing to do whatever he says, that are his disciples, and they're keen to be involved. And they too think that it's gonna happen pretty soon. And so in Luke's story, there's, there's almost like two parables together. There's, there's the one about the king who goes away and the people that don't want him to be king, and then he comes back and has them all killed. And there's the story about the miners, where, where 10 servants get these 10 miners. These two parables sort of intertwined. Um, so we're going to kind of separate them a little bit and just look at them a little bit differently, uh, just to get it clear in our head. Um, Firstly, the story of the nobleman who um, became king. Now, you probably, um, you, you might have heard of this guy. His name is Archelaus. And when Jesus tells this story about the nobleman who goes off to a distant country to be crowned king and come back, they would have all gone, you know who you're talking about? That's Archelaus. And we go, the heck, who? Um, but Archelaus was incredibly famous for these people. It's like their 9-11. If I say 9-11, we all know what that means. You know, we've got some context for that. Uh, if somebody's going away to be crowned king and they're coming back, they have some context about this. Because Archelaus was the son of King Herod. It's actually mentioned earlier in the Bible. And um, King Herod was the guy when Jesus was born 30 years previously. When Jesus was born, uh, the wise men in the Christmas story come to Herod and they say, where's the child born to be king? And they have to throw Herod off the scent. And then Herod gets cranky and kills a whole bunch of two-year-old children. Not at me if you remember this Bible story. It's terrible. It's a Christmas story. And Jesus, Mary and Joseph go off to Egypt. And when they are time to come back in the beginning of Matthew, um, Joseph has a dream. Um, go and take the child and his mother and go to, back to the land of Israel, for Herod has, has died. And so Joseph gets up and takes Jesus and, and Mary back to Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. So he went to Nazareth, and that's why Jesus is called a Nazarene. So Archelaus is this famous, famous guy who's already mentioned in the Bible. And he had installed a, 
a giant eagle in the temple. And then the Jews have kicked on about that because that's blasphemous. And then as to retaliate, he killed 3,000 Jewish people in the temple courts. And so the Jewish community hated him. And so Archelaus wanted to be king like his father Herod. And in order to get power, he had to go all the way back to Rome and fight for his right to be king and, uh, and had to go back. And the Jews hated him so much that just like in this story Jesus tells, they sent a delegation of 50 people from Jerusalem all the way to Rome. That's not a short journey. Uh, that's a massive long journey. 50 people to say, we don't want this man to be our king. That's known. The people hearing this know this story. And in the real Archelaus story, they actually win. Archelaus gets installed, but with hardly any power. He lasts a heartbeat, and then he's sent into exile. So the Jewish people were really stoked because they'd won in this, in this case. However, in the parable, it's a bit different. So a bit of context. This is a, a real story that happened. They would have understood this sense of going away and coming back. And Jesus is framing it up as to what he is about to do. He's about to go away, oh, but he's coming back. And not like Archelaus, he's coming back to be the risen Lord Jesus, the King Jesus. A bit of a twist in the tail there for that part. But the miners, the, the 10 miners that were given out to, to the 10 servants, what's that about? It sounds a bit like the parable of the talents that you might have read in Matthew's gospel, where they, they get different amounts. Um, but this one, 10 servants get 10 miners. Now, a miner or minna is about three months worth of wages. That's how much that is. So they get given that. Um, that's three months' worth of, um, of, of, of funds. And they're told to invest it. They're told, put this money to work until I come back. They're supposed to multiply it, right? It's not, it's not for their own living expenses. It's not a gift. It's not for the servants to go, that's fantastic, thank you. I've got my eye on a flat screen TV, I'll have that. Uh, it's actually to be used for the future king and for his purposes and to be enlarged. Um, they are stewards of the money, if you know that language. It's not theirs, it belongs to someone else. They're doing it on behalf of someone. So that's the deal with the miners. And the thing is, it's equal. Everybody gets the same amount in this. Everyone gets the same. So here we have the moment when the, the king, who has gone away to become the king, comes back in the parable and asks for them to give an account of what they've done with that three months' worth of cash. Um, and of course, the first one comes and says, your miner has earned 10 more. Oh, well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. Now, parables have always got a bit of a twist in them, as I said before, and this is a bit of a twist because a servant to get a miner in the first place, like three months' worth of wages, is unheard of. Like, who's got, who gives their, their lowest servants or slaves this huge amount of dollars to, to invest for you? That's a trip. And the fact that, that he, um, he, he multiplies it tenfold, that's extraordinary for that time. And then, instead of getting a monetary reward, what happens to that servant? 
the lowest of the low, gets put in charge of 10 cities. He gets made governor. He gets given a, a huge promotion. And in that society, that was just insane. That would have been mind-blowing back then, that you would suddenly go from being a servant who was faithful to being over 10 cities as a, as a regional commander or governor. Like, huge, huge. What a, what a promotion. Um, and that's the... That happens then with the five, the five miners, exactly the same thing, five cities. But then we get to, to the last one, um, who says, Sir, here is your miner, or my miner. I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take out what you do not put in and reap what you did not sow. And so he was afraid. So the decisions the servants made had some significant change attached to them. The, uh, the servant who had the miner and it, it formed 10 miners, it multiplied into 10, the significant change for him was not just that, um, you know, the, the master was happy, but he got this huge promotion and he was living an extraordinarily different life. The one who was fearful and, and wrapped the miner, he gets his taken away. The master um, says, you didn't, even, you didn't even put it in the bank so I can get interest. And he takes it off that servant and gives it to the one who has more. He gives it to the one who has more. So I'm going to pause there for a minute because that's a pretty hard and tough parable for us to understand. It's a huge big parable for us to understand. And Jesus is saying that like the king who goes away and comes back, he's going to come back and he's going to ask us about things. So the question is, what's a miner? <laughs> what does a miner represent? It's not like someone that goes under the ground. It's not a small child under the age of 18. Uh, it's not even really money like it is in this parable. What's a miner? Well, I think for the people hearing this story for the first time, they'd probably say that it was something like the sum total of all that Jesus had said, done, and taught. Everything that he had invested in his followers, the teachings, the time along the road, the walking, the, the um, showing them healing, the, the walking on the water, the calming the storm, all of that was an investment in them. They held this gospel message in their hands. They knew who the Son of Man really was. They knew what the kingdom of God was about. They knew it. And Jesus had invested it in them, given them that. And he said to them, servants, you need to be faithful stewards with that. I need you to multiply that. Put this to work. Make changes with this. Because in the kingdom of heaven, when you risk and when you're brave, there's a reward attached to that. There's glory, there's promotion. When Jesus gives us this gospel and, and we're lavish with it, like the sower who goes out to sow the seeds, when Jesus gives us love and we, we love others in the way that he does, when Jesus gives us um, people to serve and to bless and we do that in the way that he does, we're multiplying what he has given us. 
And when he returns as king, they want to hear the words, well done. You've been faithful the little. I'm going to give you much. But for the other, who takes the miner and says, sir, here's your miner. I've kept it wrapped up in a piece of cloth. There it is, it's safe. I'm giving it back to you. Jesus, when he returns as king, says no. You didn't even earn a little bit on that. That's not what the gospel message is for. It's not just for you. It's not just for you to wrap up and keep safe and put in your pocket a little insurance for heaven. That's not what I'm giving it to you for. I'm giving it to you to invest, to be lavish, to, to multiply, to share it. It's not just about you. And the decision that you make about this is not just going to impact your life, it's going to impact the lives of others as well. So in a kingdom principle, risk equals reward in this case. And fear can lead to loss and, and judgment. And we can be fearful, can't we? I know with the, the people here, they were fearful of, of the king because he was hard, but that's not our Jesus. That's where the twist in the parable comes as well because they were fearful of the king and rightly so because it's about Archelaus, but that's not Jesus. Jesus is the God of grace and the God of love. He says that perfect love drives out fear, so we don't have to be fearful about what we do for Jesus. The other thing I want to say in that is that the parable tells us not just about what we do with that miner that Jesus has invested in us, it also tells us a certainty. It says that the king will return, that Jesus is about to go into Jerusalem, he's about to go to the cross, and they thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. And we know that's not the case. We know that Jesus went to Jerusalem and he died and he rose again and now he's the king. We see it. And we see that he's reigning and living with God and, and ruling in heaven. And we experience that in our day-to-day -day lives. But we also know that there will be a day coming when Jesus does return, when Jesus will come back and that we'll be gathered to him in glory and that we know that the king will return. So for us, what does this mean for us? The question is, what are you doing with your minor? What are you doing with what God has entrusted to you? So, we've been entrusted with this gospel message. We've been entrusted with the knowledge that Jesus loves us, that he died for us, that he raised to life, that he calls us his friends, that he forgives us our sins, that he can, we can be made new, that we can have a relationship with him that will last forever. And that is what he has entrusted in us. But also, all part of our life, every part of our life. There is nothing that we have in our lives that Jesus or God hasn't given us. Our very breath in our lungs is from God. Our circumstance of our life, the fact that we are here today is from God. And, and we have that as our minor. We have that as the, the investment. And Jesus is saying, I'm about to go. You've got this. Multiply it. Put it to work. Be brave. Take a risk. Don't hide your light under a bushel. It's not just about you. Don't just wrap it up. Make decisions that lead to significant change. I'm in it. I'm with you. I'm king. 
It's okay. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Don't put your miner in your pocket. Invest. So what are you doing with your miner? What are you doing with your beautiful life? What are you doing with that gospel message? What are you doing in your life to invest and to multiply? It might look as simple as, as Matt said earlier, taking a card for our Easter services and be brave enough to say to someone, hey, I'm going to church on Easter. I would love to go with you. It might look like that. It might look, your, your, your minor might be like saying to someone at work when they say, what did you do on the weekend? To say, hey, I went to church. Love my church. Love meeting with people. Love going to church. That could be the brave step for you. Your brave step might be loving someone who's hard to love. That could be your brave step, your way of multiplying what God has given you. Your investment might be forgiving someone who God has asked you to forgive, even though it's hard. Have a think about what your minor is, what God has invested in you, and what decisions you're making to bring about significant change. Because I don't know about you, I want to be the servant that Jesus comes back and says, well done. Well done, you've been faithful with little, I'm gonna give you much. I don't wanna be the servant that just keeps it all for me, tucks it in my pocket, so long as I'm fine, it's all good, and gets that removed. What about you? What about you? We hope this message has challenged and strengthened you encouraged you to pray and rely on God and blessed you today. If you'd like to get to know some of our church community, you can listen to the We Are The Church podcast, an open conversation with real people who call GBC home as they share stories of God at work in their lives and how their lives are being changed by Jesus.